Uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, the path of yoga. Um, and I've got some questions that I want to <coughs> review, all of us. By the way, this is not a lecture, it's a discussion, so please, if you have a question, please stop me at any time and let's have a question or discussion. And, uh, we're going to explore a few things tonight. Uh, path of yoga, first of all, uh, I want to find out what is the living entity's uh, ultimate desire. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, what is the most powerful force? Be thinking about that. What is the most powerful force? Uh, it's going to, not just in the world, but in the cosmos, in the spiritual world, everywhere. What's the most powerful force, period? Uh, is yoga a spiritual path? Where should the path of yoga take us, if it is a path, if we determine it is a path? And can yoga take us to that uh, most powerful force? Okay, so let's see uh, if we all agree on, on a couple of things. First of all, we all believe in God of some form, right? Anybody not? That's okay, you know. Uh, God is unlimited. I think most people can agree on that. Uh, since he's unlimited, he is both male and female. He has his fem feminine expansion, Radharani. Huh? Uh, he is all-powerful and unlimited. God is unlimited. I think most people agree on that. So if God is unlimited, we can't place any limitations on God. In other words, we can't deny that God has anything. He has everything. He's unlimited, you see. So therefore, uh, if God is unlimited, then God has, having everything, he has form and personality. While at the same time, he also has his unmanifest side, you see. He is both manifest and unmanifest at the same time. Uh, I like to get that out of the way because some people think, well, it's either this or that. You know, I say it's God's unmanifest, he's just energy. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, God's this supreme person. Well, he's both, you see, because he's unlimited. So we cannot deny God a personality or a form, nor can we deny that he has this unmanifest uh, side of him, okay? So let's, let's do a little uh, experiment. This usually works out pretty much the same way, but let's talk about what it is, what's the most driving uh, force? What, what are we all after? What do we seek? Uh, what are our desires? So, anybody? What's your... Huh? Happiness. Happiness. Very good. Anything else? Joy. Peace. Peace. Joy. Love. Love. Contentment. Contentment. And that love is the trump card, I think. Because if you get love, then you've got happiness, contentment, peace, joy, isn't it? Is there anybody here who doesn't feel that actually, once we think about it, love is the most important driving force uh, in, the, uh, in the whole cosmos? It's the most important thing to us. Does anybody disagree? And if so, what is more important than love? Are we all on the same page? I mean, usually people agree. Some people have never thought about it, you know, because I think, well, I want to get this, 
and if I get some uh, some fortune, then I can I can have love. If I get some property, if I get some uh, um, uh, business, if I get a way to make a living, you see, so many things. But ultimately, what we all want is love. Uh, most people that I talk to feel that they would trade just about anything for love. Who would trade? Who would trade fame? for love huh pretty much everybody would you rather is there anybody here that would not rather live uh, 80 years and be completely in love pure total love or would you rather live 90 years and not have so much love huh so we'd even trade our a little bit of our lifespan we'd give up some of our life to have uh, real, true, honest love. So, I think we all agree. Now, since that's the most um, popular thing, that's what we all want. Why is love, uh, why is it such a valuable thing? It seems to be more valuable to us than anything. You know? Why is gold so valuable? Because it's scarce. You see? If someone, it's just like here in Arizona, uh, sand is very common. So if someone tells you, hey, I've got a truckload of sand, I'd be happy to give it to you. You'd say, oh, thanks, I've, I've got plenty. <laughs> I don't really need any sand. You see, but if they said, I have a truckload of gold, you could say, oh, well, you can dump it right here. You know? <laughs> Bring it on. Why? Is it that you would just like to roll around in the gold? Huh? No, it's valuable. Valuable because it's very rare. So is real, honest, true, everlasting, uh, pure love. You see, it's the most valuable, let's say, commodity for want of another uh, word. It's the most valuable, you see. Uh, that makes it the most powerful force. Love is the most powerful force, you see. We would give anything for it. And it is so scarce. And the source of that love is the Supreme Godhead. Everything emanates from the Lord, the Supreme Lord, Krishna. So Krishna is the source of love. You see, if you want this very valuable, very rare commodity, in its purest form, you have to go to him to get it. You see, other, um, let's say, emanations of God, aren't necessarily there for the loving exchange. Krishna, though, is there for a loving exchange. You see, this personality of Krishna is to love, to exchange love with. You see, it's not an awe and reverence type of relationship. In other words, we just don't, when we see God, we don't fall down just, be, just because we see Krishna. We want to run and hug Krishna, you see. Krishna is approachable. See, this Krishna, uh, as I've said before, is a very special name of God. God's unlimited. He has unlimited names. So, it's just like I use the example, if you met the President of the United States, you might say, Good evening, Mr. President. How are you? You see? Someone else that knows him a little closer might say, Good evening, Mr. Obama. One of his friends from Chicago might say, Good evening, Barack. How are you? But I assure you that his wife, Michelle, doesn't call him Mr. President. She may have some special names, like mm -hmm. Honey or Sweetheart 
very warm and fuzzy names, very personal names, loving, you see, because she has an intimate relationship with him, you see. So this name Krishna, when you vibrate that sound, Krishna, it means, oh, oh all, all beautiful, all attractive one, you see. It's a very warm and fuzzy, very personal name of God. It implies that I want to have a loving relationship with you. You see, so it's very pleasing for Krishna to hear this. When we say Krishna, Krishna says, oh, very nice. Mm -hmm. Sweet name, you see. Other names of, uh, of his expansions might, uh, to some people, might sound fearsome, you see. Because in some of his expansions, he's a, he comes to... Uh, to kill a great demon or something. But in this form of Krishna, although he does his share of killing demons, he's here to exchange love. Okay? So, one thing that uh, I'd like to point out before I go on to, to uh, tonight's verse is uh, what seems to go along always with love? Think about that for just a second. It's almost always present with love. Surrender. When you love someone, love means making yourself vulnerable to them, right? Which is surrender. I, 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 I love you and I trust you to do with me as you will. I have faith in you, full faith. This comes along with ultimate love, you see? So when uh, this word surrender is accompanied by love, loving surrender, that's very good. When an army, when a general has to surrender to another, that's not so good, you see. We don't like that. But in love, yes, surrender is very nice, see. It's part of it. If you don't surrender, where's the love, you see. So, let's go to tonight's verse, which is <clears throat> Bhagavad Gita, 18th chapter, 66th verse. I'll quickly read the Sanskrit. And then I'll read, and then you can stop. After I read a little bit, you can stop anytime with a question or comment. Krishna says to Arjuna, Arjuna wants to know, this is towards the end of the Bhagavad Gita, and Krishna is asked by Arjuna so many different questions. You know, what are the different paths that I can take to find you? What are the different avenues, you see? Oh, so, uh, Krishna is replying, he wants to know, uh, uh, Arjuna wants to know, what's your ultimate secret? What's the main thing you have to tell me? So this is the essence of Bhagavad Gita, this verse. Krishna says, Sarva dharman parikyaka, maam ekam saranambraja, aham tvam sarva pabheyo, mokshayasyami ma sujaha. Okay, what is Krishna saying here? Krishna says, abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. Sarva dharman parikyaga. Sarva means all. Dharman applies to dharma. Some people think dharma means just duty. Well, it is. What is our duty? Dharma means what is the, uh, the absolute nature of something. For instance, the Dharma of water is to be wet, it's to be liquid. The Dharma of fire is to be hot. Fire is hot. Mm -hmm. huh? 
Water is liquid. You, the living entity, the spirit soul, your dharma is to be a devotee of the Lord. A loving devotee, a loving associate of the Lord. That is what you are. <clears throat> so Krishna, <clears throat> excuse me, so that means uh, your dharma is to be religious in some way or other. So now um, I'll read a little bit and then I want to discuss whether or not yoga is a path. And, and we'll talk about the path aspect. Okay? Srila Prabhupada says, <clears throat> The Lord has described various kinds of knowledge and processes of religion. Knowledge of the Supreme Brahman, knowledge of the Super Soul, knowledge of the different types of orders and statuses of social life, knowledge of the renounced order of life, knowledge of non-attachment, sense and mind control, meditation, etc. He has described in so many ways different types of religion. Now, in summarizing Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says that Arjuna should give up all the processes that have been explained to him and he should simply surrender to Krishna. That surrender will save him from all kinds of sinful reactions, for the Lord personally promises to protect him. You see? So, in other words, uh, all of us came here from different directions, from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west. To do that, you, you find a path that'll take you here, a route, you see? Now, what do you do? Let's say you come up First Avenue. You come up First Avenue to get here. What do you do with that path once you get here? You abandon it. You're not on that path anymore. It took you here. It brought you to your destination. You see? So what's the purpose of a path? A path is to lead you somewhere. You see? Yoga is meant like any other path, which it is. There is a purpose. Now, everyone who performs yoga expects something in return. You see? Better health, you could say, I, get, I want better this, better that. But yoga will lead you to another yoga, which will, will lead you to another yoga, which will lead you to bhakti yoga. Loving devotional service of Krishna, you see. So bhakti yoga is the ultimate path. So that is the ultimate destination. A loving relationship with Krishna. So Krishna is saying, you don't have to step through all those paths. You don't have to, you don't have to do that. You can give it up. Abandon it. Just surrender to me. In other words, cut to the front of the line if you want to. You see? It's just like if you take First Avenue here and you become attached to the path, you don't want to make the turn on the Blackledge out here. You don't want to, you think, I just want to stay on this path. I love this. This is great. And you forgot about your destination. You see? We should keep the destination in mind. You should start with the end in mind. You see? Why am I doing this? Why am I living my life? What do I expect from my life? What's the best thing I could possibly get from my life? You see? That best thing is to restore your lost loving relationship with Krishna, the most lovable object. That's the highest of all. Anything else is not so attractive. Although it may appear, but that this is the highest. So let me continue. In the seventh chapter, it is said that only one who has become free from all sinful reactions can take to the worship of Lord Krishna. 
Thus one may think that unless he is free from all sinful reactions, he cannot take up the surrendering process. To such doubts, it is here said that even if one is not free from all sinful reactions, simply by the process of surrendering to Sri Krishna, he is automatically freed. There is no need of strenuous effort to free oneself from sinful reactions. One should unhesitatingly accept Krishna as the supreme savior of all living entities with faith and love. One should surrender unto him. <clears throat> According to the devotional process, one should simply accept such religious principles that will lead ultimately to the devotional service of the Lord. One may perform a particular occupational duty according to his position in the social order. But if by executing his duty, uh, one does not become come to the point of Krishna consciousness, all his activities are in vain. Anything that does not lead to the per perfectional stage of Krishna consciousness should be avoided. One should be confident that in all circumstances, Krishna will protect him from all difficulties. There is no need of thinking how one should keep the body and soul together. Krishna will see to that. One should always think of himself helpless and should consider Krishna the only basis for his progress in life. As soon as one seriously engages himself in devotional service to the Lord in full Krishna consciousness, at once he becomes free from all contamination of material nature. Therefore, there are different processes of religion and purificatory processes by cultivation of knowledge, meditation in the mystic yoga system, etc. But one who surrenders unto Krishna does not have to execute so many methods. That simple surrender to Krishna will save him from unnecessarily wasting time. One can thus make all progress at once and be freed from all sinful reactions. In other words, we don't have to go through the whole process. It's just like, what if you could go to, to law school? You know, you're going you're gonna to be there for, what, six years it takes for law school? And they say, well, look, you know, you can, you can come by tomorrow and we'll give you your degree if you want. You don't have to do the, the studying and everything. Along with it comes all the knowledge, you know, our medical school, you see. You don't have to go through all that process. See. Krishna is so kind that this is now this is very confidential knowledge. He's telling this to Arjun because of his love for Arjun. He's his friend, you see. But it's meant for all, for all of you who are sincere. If you're sincere at finding Krishna, then Krishna says, You can perform loving devotional service to me. I will take care of the rest. I will deliver you have no doubt I'll do it for you you don't have to practice mystic yoga you see once you attain bhakti yoga you already have the essence of all the other yogas you see it's not necessary to take the stairs you can go immediately to the top are there any questions or comments easy group wow. <laughs> Okay, let's read the last paragraph here. One should be attracted by the beautiful vision of Krishna. His name is Krishna because he is all attractive. Like I was saying, this name Krishna means, oh, oh beautiful one. 
you see. It's a loving exchange, you see. <clears throat> One who becomes attracted to the beautiful, all-powerful, omnipotent vision of Krishna is fortunate. There are different kinds of transcendentalists. Some of them are att attached to the impersonal Brahman vision. Some of them are attached to the super-soul feature. <clears throat> but one who is attracted, uh, attracted to the personal feature of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and, above all, one who is attached to the Supreme Personality of Godhead as Krishna himself is the most, most perfect transcendentalist. In other words, devotional service to Krishna in full consciousness is the most confidential part of knowledge. And this is the essence of the whole Bhagavad Gita. You see, um, this is the essence of knowledge. Now you may say, well, you know, I'd, I'd kind of like to learn how to do mystic yoga. You know, I'd like to learn how to, well, uh, it's said in the Vedas that uh, uh, some yogis can, they can, they have the ability to go through a, a stone. You know, you can take, put a giant stone, like a stone wall, and they can pass through it. That's a cool trick, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know? Or they can take their life airs in their body, cause their, their heart to stop, but keep themselves alive. Very mystical. Isn't that amazing? That's wonderful. What good will it do you, though? You know, maybe you can get a job in a circus. Mm -hmm. You know, the amazing man who goes through stone. Isn't that great? You know, so you can actually practice yoga and perform great austerities for many, many years and perfect some mystic yoga post-potencies. But will it give you love of Godhead? You see? You may become tremendously fit, and that's very good. We all want to be fit physically. But we've all agreed what we're looking for is love. We want supreme love. You see, let's not stop halfway there. Let's not get attached to a particular path. As soon as we reach our destination, we abandon our path. And this yoga is a path that will take you <coughs> to Krishna. <coughs> it is meant to do that. It's like if you get on Interstate 10 heading west, it will take you to Phoenix. It does go to Phoenix, doesn't it? I've got my directions correct. You see? It does. So, if you stay on the path of yoga, it will take you to Krishna. Unless you get involved with being on the path. You may stop, you know, and say, well, I like this, or I like this part of yoga, I like that other part, or whatever, and forget the destination. You see? So, any comments or questions, or should I go on? Criticisms? You can criticize if you like. Well, should we forget about the idea of practicing bhakti yoga and just, like you say, immediately surrender? Is that that's the idea? Why, why the, the, the two go together. Do? Surrender to Krishna is practicing bhakti yoga. Bhakti yoga means to perform loving devotional service to Krishna. It starts by chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Like we were doing here before. Did you notice the feeling 
during that cure time. Oh. Wasn't it sweet? Mm-hmm. You know, it may sound corny, but I have to say, did you feel the love? <laughs> you could. You can. You see, this chanting is begging Krishna, praying to Krishna. Actually, we're praying to Radharani, his feminine side. You have to go to her if you're going to get to, to Krishna. We're begging uh, Radha, please engage me in the loving devotional service of Lord Krishna. You see, it's all about love. <laughs> the feeling that you get by chanting Hare Krishna. The reward is that you get to serve Krishna. Well, what does that mean? Whatever service that you can perform, you see. You can engage your mind, your words, your activities, whatever. The highest service you can do is to help those living entities around you to serve Krishna. Engage them in loving devotional service. In other words, let's get the whole world in love with Krishna. You see. What a wonderful place if the whole world could taste the highest love. No one would feel unloved anymore. You see? Has anybody ever felt unloved? Huh? Has anybody not ever felt unloved? For those of us who have felt unloved, think about it. Don't dwell on it, but you might think. It was a pretty rotten feeling, wasn't it? pretty bad. See? On the other hand, feeling really loved is really sweet. There's no uh, intelligence, uh, intelligence behind not approaching the supreme storehouse of love. Krishna. You don't have to do without it. It's here. It's available. Krishna says, here, take it. Surrender to me. I will deliver you from all sinful activity. Have no doubt. Krishna's saying, here, take my hand. I'll take you out of this suffering material world. I'll do it for you. And you could say, nah, look, that's, a, you know, that's okay. I'm not really, I don't really need your help. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking yoga. And I can do this myself. All right? If I need you, I'll call you. you know. I got you on speed dial. Don't worry about it. But I want to try to do it myself. And I think I can concoct my own plan. You know, some people say, well, I'm a little bit of this, I'm a little bit of that. You know, I heard one friend of mine said, that sounds like uh, spiritual, uh, what is that word? Promiscuity? Promiscu <laughs> spiritually promiscuous? Not really faithful to anyone. Oh, you know. What about being chaste? See, those of us who have come to the material world have forgotten uh, the element of chastity. Faithful, loyal, loving. You see, you can't have love without chastity, loyalty. Krishna is the, is the uh, origin of love. You see, why well, say, well, you know, I'll take a little Krishna, a little bit, and a little this, a little that. Why? Because we're a little embarrassed. To, we're a little afraid, maybe, to commit. Fear of commitment. Huh? We're holding ourselves back. So let's not. Let's go for it. Let's get all the love we can. And to do that, we have to approach Lord Krishna. 
So thank you all very much. Thank you. I appreciate it.